Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Liberty Squadron Podcast. My name's Andrew Lewinsky and I am joined with Tristan Dalius. Hello. I said it right this time, right? Yeah, this uh, time. Oh, this is the first time. So this is the first recording of this episode. <laughs> and Jonathan Lee. Hello everyone. The other people are a bunch of bums and hopefully next week Zach is back from his Italian training. Oh, did I lose you guys? Just build the secrets of Italy. It's right. Those Italians know the secrets of X when they went and uh, killed a bunch of gladiators and conquered half of Europe. And hopefully, they know what they're doing with X soon. Cool. Well, anyway, we're going to jump right into it. We all went down to the Glen Burnie hyperspace trial this past week, and we all got our butts handed to us, except for the champion, well, somewhat champion, Jonathan Lee. Uh, but we'll go into that a little bit later. We're just going to recap on that a little bit and talk of, of, of our thoughts. But first, we'll get into our shout-outs. Jonathan, you had one, right? So I want to give a shout-out to a friend of the show, Michael Bird from East Coast Gamers. He sent us some great uh, alt-art cards, which we'll be happy to hand out at our local tournaments. And uh, he is a great friend of the show, and uh, just wanted to give him a shout-out. Mike Bird, I cannot make the camp or the campaign against cancer this year, so you better be coming to Red Caps. I need to see you. So you better be there, and we'll be handing out some of your great stuff there. Um, next, I do want to shout out to Cole Donovan for running the show down at uh, the Games and Stuff Hyperspace Trial. You did a fantastic job. Uh, I hope our hyperspace trial up here at Red Caps runs as smoothly as you did. I might even hit you up for some advice if anything that went wrong, but... Thanks again for everything you did down there. It was great, uh, great show. I mean, you guys, lunch was provided, which was delicious. Um, everything was just fantastic. All right. I guess there's an ancillary shout out. Uh, he kept talking about the uh, tech support from Australia for Tabletop TO. So, yeah. You know, that's It's a fantastic site. And it's, it's, it's based so out of it's Australia, too, right? So, anyone? <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure Tabletop TO is based out of Australia, that they are the ones that run the show with it. But So I'm curious if the tech support's coming out of there as well. All right, so we're going to start with our recap from Glenn Burney, though. Uh, first, I'd like to say Duncan Howard, the like, man is a genius. I don't know what he keeps doing, but he is the Glenn Burney champion. Yeah, what is perfect MOV across six games? 2,400? Yes, it yeah, is 400 times six. Yeah. So, but yeah, so I remember seeing that. What is his MOV? 1995. Okay. Okay, and he had a first round buy, so he couldn't get perfect MOV because you get the basically 300 points for there. So, wow. I mean, he could have got pretty damn close if he did actually play that first game, but he was he went 6 and 0 in Swiss and then swept. I mean, I know he did have a buy or two in the cut, but uh, he did sweep the entire cut and went on to win it all. Which, it, uh, like, just talking about Duncan's spirit, like, in general. Like, I've never met someone who's as enthusiastic about X-Wing as this man. Like, anytime you see an X-Wing tournament, he's always just playing. Even though he keeps winning or anything, he kind of just plays for, like, the sport of the game. Uh, whenever you see him at, like, Nova, he's... When he's not playing in the main events, he's playing in the side events. Like, it's really kind of cool seeing someone with that high of a caliber for the game and just has the passion for it that he does and like so everything he does i would say is definitely like worth the input that he does into the game 
yeah, I mean, I I saw him standing at standing at the side of tables, uh, cheering his friends on during the during the event, and I, you know, at the time, I didn't realize he was winning every single game. So <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of just expected of him now. Like, if I ever go up against him, I'm just gonna be like, all right, well, let's see if we can uh, catch him off guard, do something crazy. Yeah, I mean, the, so they put soon tier back in the into the game, right? And uh, in the hands of Duncan, it turns out that's a scary thing. <laughs> yeah, so I believe his list was soon tier. Predator, Shield Upgrade, Vader, Hate, Fire Control System, Afterburners, and Vermeil with Shield Upgrade. It's a deadly list, especially in with his hands, like two I6s basically moving list. Is that 100? Do we know how many points that is? Hold up. We got to do this. That's the one thing about this Fortress item. 192. 192, there you go. So he's got a deep enough bid that he's probably moving last with everything. If he needs to, and like I said, in the hands of Duncan, that's completely deadly. All right, so let's go into our recap for individually. Um, I'll go first because I probably had the worst record of 3-3 three three with the buy, but I ran my three TIE SFs with concussion missiles because TIE SF gunner is a complete trap. You never need it. Um, and then we had Tavson with the... General Hux crew and Biohexacrypt codes. And I'll tell you what, I did not use Biohexacrypt codes once the entire weekend. Like, it just did not feel like I needed it at all. Um, other than that, though, I mean, I kind of just went to blow things up, and that's exactly what I did. I decided to joust two identical TIE swarms back to back and. The results were pretty funny. I mean, the first one I made a bad call and I messed up and I should have blocked and I had the block dialed in and then I activated my ships in the wrong order and blocked myself. So that felt bad, man. And then it was other, the other one was it literally came down to the final roll on the table when time was called and I just couldn't push the final damage through onto a TIE fighter, which that happens. So... So I guess the next question after did you win, the question is, did your list do the thing you brought it to do? Did you get your concussion missiles off during you know, the first or second volleys? So, yes. It, uh, it was double modest shots with all of them, and it almost always took something off the table. Like My big thing was like it was very hard to initiative kill anything, um, any of these TIE fighters, because with two, two green dice and six health, like it just was hard to do. Like neither of the tie swarms with six ships at ps5 and ps4 or initiative four um could not take off any of the tie sfs before they shot which was kind of fun like because like both of them you could tell were visibly angry that they could not do it and then you kind of shoot past the tie swarm and then you just change the arc to the back and shoot the concussion missiles at the back um but then when tavson gets the panic pilot crit on him that also feels bad but, so, I'm, like, super high in on these concussion missiles. Like, I think they're being a little bit overlooked. Um, I would definitely put them on other things. Um, I think they really do have a home on the TIE SFs, though, if you're ever looking for... It's, like, 42 points for the PS... Or the Initiative 3 and just the concussion missiles. And, it, like I said, you can shoot them at the back. And, like, it's funny because people don't realize what they do every almost i think every one of my opponents 
asked me if they could read the card because they just didn't understand the interaction. <laughs> Wait, hold on. They can shoot backwards? <laughs> yeah, so right. TIESFs can shoot. Uh, they have to follow the, uh, the turret arc from... With the heavy weapon turret, right. Right. Yeah. So they have to use the front arc guide for the missiles out of their turret arc. I think so, that's one of those cards that I've, I've read before, and if I were up against it, I'd be like, okay, can I, can I take a look real quick? Exactly. <laughs> Just to make sure. <laughs> right, and so then they deal damage, and then, like, it was like, okay, that's nice, and then I'm like, okay, so you deal two damage, and I'm like, now flip one of them up. I don't care which one, because you don't know which one they are. And they'd be like, wait, what? Like, it's almost like a light proton torpedo, because it's got three dice, and, like, you're not dishing the crit out, but you're still kind of actively getting a crit. So, I mean, like, it doesn't trigger things like Fuel League or anything like that, but holy crap, if you can, uh, and this was an interesting interaction, so my one opponent, I triggered a, a direct hit with it. So then the next turn, I triggered another concussion missile off on him, and I was like, listen, you need to flip that direct hit down because it repairs itself, and I can trigger it again. And, like, it, it's caused into all these, like, interactions, and, like, they are worth the six points. I mean, I don't know if I would take it if I ever have a three red dice attack, but if I don't, like, it's something to look at. Um, where are we? So one of the funny things that did happen, though, I'll go into this a little bit. So concussion missiles with Iden. So even if you pop Iden, the attack still counts as being hit. And we, I, I did the research on this just to make sure that the ruling was correct so the dice get canceled in the neutralized steps in the neutralized step i didn't want it trigger until the deal damage decks step so even though i didn't may have triggered it was fun being like okay well the attack hit now everything at range zero to one of that defender has to flip one of their cards and it didn't necessarily trigger um the kill by flipping a direct hit or something like that but it was still interesting to see the interaction between Iden and this, the concussion specials. And like, I know it'll have some the same effect with Maul. If you know you hit with Maul and then you pop Iden, you can't then shoot the same target because you technically hit that target, even though the damage was prevented. Right. So it's in the neutralize results step where you figure out like, did this hit or not, and then yes, in the, like the allocate damage step is where Iden rocks. Right. So it would be. Um, Iden says before you are dealt damage. So okay. so it's after the attack, kind of. Right, so in the neutralized steps yeah. result, the last step of that is if there is one <laughs> or more crit left, the attack hits. If it doesn't, the attack misses. And then you can go into the separate parts of the rules reference and see what it misses and hit mean. But it, it was definitely interesting, a little bit of a learning experience. And, like, I'm... I brought it to have fun. Like, I didn't bring this list to actually, like, go and win it. But I, I came to blow things up and just watch people. And it was, it did exactly what I expected it to do. So, Andrew, do you think the concussion missiles could be, would be good on other missile platforms? Like, say, the Torrent or, um, I don't know, A-Wings or the Scum Z-95, which is now in hyperspace? So, I've been looking at this and, like, um, maybe, like, one of the reasons that like i think this did do better than i expected was because i had the double mods i had the the focuses from hux and then they were able to clear the stress stress from hux 
and then get the target locks that they need it. Um, I think it might be something, yeah, that they could look like that because, it, like I said, it's only six points. If you have the points to throw it on there, I, I would do it. Like, I would throw it on Z95s. Um, and it, sure, with the target lock, you don't have to spend the target lock. You might be able to, like, save it for the next turn to get the double mods. But, um, and it's got three charges on it, so it's kind of like, why not throw three dice, hope for you get three hits or two hits or something, and save that target lock for the next shot. Um, it's probably going to be better than the two red dice that you have. I, I would definitely look at putting this on things that have two dice, like the Z95s and the Torrents. As far as the Torrents go, um, I've, I've done see, maybe three or four test games with, uh, with Concussion Torrents. And to get that target lock at any reasonable initiative, like synchronized consoles is really helpful for that. Um, but then you're kind of in the point range where you're like you're almost like you're you're almost at like the SF point cost, and you're just not getting the ship that the SF is mm-hmm. at that point mm-hmm. cost. So I don't know. You know, sure. maybe it's a points thing, but it could work in the on the torrents. I don't if not now, definitely in the future with some future points rebalance. Oh uh, well, what about if you? What is that Jedi coordinate? Battle, Battle meditation. meditation. Battle meditation. Yeah. Like, would that base be? Of, uh, base of nine points, I think. Uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, you could you could do something like that and get get your double mods that way. Um, but yeah, then you know where the Jedi is, though, and Jedi really want to be mobile. Sure. Well, you're almost you're almost wasting those points on the Jedi for that. But yeah, there's trade offs. Sure. But yeah, I, I think that's something to look at. Um, it, again, I don't think missiles are nearly what they should be, but it, it was interesting for a two-point... Like, I was messing around today with putting it possibly on a fire spray. And I was like, with Crassus Charlux, like, you could do that um, and get, like, a basically a double mod out the back by putting the Marauder title on him and shooting a concussion missile out the back. But it's like, you got a three-dice attack already, Um is it worth it? I don't think so. Yeah, I mean, for, uh, you know, concussions are how expensive? Six points. Six points. So six points if you for get like the Marauder. Two more points. Is it two more points? You can get Perceptive, perceptive Co-Pilot. So. Sure. Well, I mean, why not just load it all up? <laughs> but yeah, no, like, uh, it's something to take a look at. Um. I don't think I would load that much up on like a fire spray. Um, there needs to be an, a different missile that comes out. And, and like I said, the first thing I'm looking at is Crassus, just because shooting out missiles at the back and then the Marauder title, and you get that reroll from his ability. Like, seems pretty good. All right. Yeah, I don't think I've seen the Crassus in uh, Second Edition yet. Me neither. And like I said, like I was just looking at that, and like it, I knew that his ability was. You can perform special attacks at your rear, but then I saw that the why I'm sorry. Um, when you perform a special attack, you can reroll one di- attack die. So, that, like I said, if there's ever a missile that comes out, that's something I might be looking at immediately. I don't, like I said, six points seems a little bit steep for something that already has a three dice attack, but I'm I mean, not sure. Got it. Crassus, Crassus would do a lot of the same things that the TSFs did. Um, I mean, it doesn't die in the joust. Um, and then it 
can shoot out the front with a powerful attack and then shoot out the back with a powerful attack. So yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> it's kind of just your SF concussions on steroids. Sure. Uh, but yeah, test that out. And like I said, it was a super fun list to play because it caught a lot of people off guard. And it's hilarious to like shoot past their list and if they're K-turning to try to catch back up to you and you don't have to do that. You're just turning your arc with the white action that it is. Like you link it to like a focus, turn your arc to the back. Like it, it, it's super fun. It, it catches people off guard. And like if you are going up against something with a lower PS or initiative than you, then you are basically taking it off the table. Like... I my third game I think I was able to like trade off a tie SF for an arc and I was just like this is fine like there's a good trade yeah so um but let's move on Tristan when you want to tell us about your list and your games uh sure um I took uh wedge dutch uh on wedge I had uh, R2 Astromech uh dutch had the ion turret and proton bombs for any swarm that I happen to run into and then Braylon and 10 both naked to give me a bit of uh, three points, so I was sitting at 197. Um, so yeah, it's a, uh, it's a beefy list. I notably did not bring Leia. Um, I had two B-wings that love to be stressed, so I uh, thought that might be uh, <laughs> an okay sacrifice, and it turned out it was. Um, yeah, so the list performed pretty well, even without free K-turns. Now, did you bring that just... You didn't bring Leia just for that one reason, that uh, you thought you wanted to keep the B-wing stressed? Or, like, yeah, was there, or did you were looking for a bid or anything like that, or did you just didn't have the points? Yeah, so the B-Wings didn't care too much about being stressed. Dutch, with that ion cannon turret, and I don't have veteran turret gunner on him, um, had a, a really wide shooting angle, so he doesn't really need to turn around. Um, and then Wedge with R2, I was hoping, and this turned out to be the case for most of my games, that Wedge got shot at first. Um, so if Wedge didn't die in the joust, which didn't happen all day, which was, was great, then he can just peace out and recharge with that R2 Astromech. Sure. So, you know, if you think about the the turn by turn, um, turns out I didn't, I didn't need Leia, which was which was really neat. Cool. Um, any memorable games that you or anything like crazy fun that happened? Yeah, probably uh, my last two games. Um, so I went three and three. Um, I lost my first match and then fought through the salt mines. Um, and then the last two matches, um, I was up against uh, Adam with his uh, double infiltrator list that, we'll, <laughs> that I'm sure Jonathan will go over. <laughs> and uh, then I was up against, oh, I forget who was up against the last match. I'm terrible with names. But um, it was uh, two X-Wings and four A-Wings uh, in Rebels. So it was a lot of ships on the board. Um, and both those matches came down to coin flips at the end. Um, one I had to put through... Uh, one uh, Dooku had to dodge uh, two damage, I think, with three dice um, and a focus. And the other match came down to <laughs> legitimately final salvo. Um, it was I... Wedge and half a Braylon versus uh, an X-Wing and an A-Wing. It was... It was a fantastic match. I remember hearing, like, across the room, like, people just screaming final salvo. And I was like, what is happening? And then I found out it was you. I was like, no! Yeah, it was it was it was the first final salvo, both myself and my opponent had ever had. Um, it was it was it was fun, and I wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, so yeah, it turns out uh, wedge and half a Braylon equals an X wing and an A wing with some upgrades. So yeah, <laughs> okay, 
Nice. Um, all right. Anything else that you want to touch on before we move on? Or uh, no, it was a fantastic day again. Like, thanks, Cole. He, I think he judged the whole thing by himself. Yeah. So it was, uh, it, it was a lot on his plate, and it, it worked out. Um, for a couple of arc checks, you know, just reached, you know, looked across the next table and was like, "Hey, when do you guys check arc?" <laughs> so for easy things like that, it was, uh, you know, it was doable. And then uh, Cole made his way around and did a pretty great job judging. So nice. Cool. All right, Jonathan, as Chris likes to call you, the X-Wing dad. Do you want to go over <laughs> your day? <laughs> so, uh, so this might have been my maybe fifth tournament, fifth uh, regional or hyperspace, fourth, fifth, maybe sixth regional at Glen Burnie. I've been there a bunch, and it's always been a good time. Uh, I have sort of always brought Rebels to Glen Burnie. And, um, you know, since Zach wasn't there, someone had to fly B-Wings from uh, Liberty Squadron, so I brought the wings. So I brought a list um, pretty similar to, similar in some ways to Tristan's. Um, so I had Tenum and Braylon also, both with Jamming Beam. Um, and on... Did you have ten, to use the Jamming Beam at all? Or did you? know, I never used it once. Oh. You know, I never, <laughs> there was never a time where I was even tempted to use it, so I never brought it once. You know, when we were sitting there chatting right before the tournament started, um, I looked down and I was like, oh, I didn't put those zero-point jamming beams in my B-Wings. <laughs> right. They're out in my car. It's fine. I'll go get them. And then I stopped myself. I was like, there's no there's no point. Like, there's there's no time I would ever shoot a jamming beam. <laughs> it's, it's not worth the two minutes it would take to go to your car to get the jamming beam. Sure. Right. So, uh, so I had Braylon and Tenum. Uh, on Tenum, I had Selfless. I had Cassian Andor, also it's in the U-Wing, also with Selfless, Leia, Tactical Officer in the Pivot Wing title, and then I had Dutch with Ion Cannon Turret and Seismic Charges for an even 200. Uh, the way I came to this list, originally I'd been playing like three B-Wings with uh, uh, U-Wing, and then gradually and with like selflesses and like shield upgrades all over the place. And then I realized that, so I took one of the B-Wings out and subbed it with Dutch Vander, when I realized Dutch with an ion cannon turret and selfless was the same cost as a blade squadron B-Wing with selfless. And although Dutch is not as tanky, he offers like more action economy because I felt like I could use a little bit more action economy and Dutch's target locks helped a lot. And then the ion cannon turret gives you another tool in your toolbox. And then I was, was thinking, so an upgrade like selfless the more of them you have, often sort of the better it is. So, because when I only had one selfless in the list, often that ship just died first. But if I had two, you know, it sort of split fire more. And I think just like Juke is better when you have more than one, I feel like selfless is better than when you have more than one. And at one point, I actually squeezed three selflesses, selflesses in the, into the list. But then, I thought two was enough, so then I took the selfless off of Dutch and I put seismics because I just like blowing up rocks. Um, so I did go with, so someone, one of my later opponents, actually Adam, who Tristan also played, he asked me about Cassian because Cassian's ability lets him pull off a stress at the beginning of activation. And he asked me if it was sort of anti-synergistic with the B-Wings. And at first glance, it kind of is, but... Uh, there were lots I've always found with like, especially with Braylon, I like, I always would want to use his ability and he's often sort of stressed and sometimes he's stressed pointing in the wrong direction. 
So it's kind of nice being able to stress him. He's pointed this way, and then the next turn you can pull the stress off, and then he can cane turn and face the other way. So he could always sort of move. He could always turn around, you know, always clear that stress from Cassian and turn around, which I thought was pretty useful. I get what you're saying there. Yeah, I, anytime I had Braylon, the, the matches I felt he was effective was when he was on the edges, like working his way in and never got into the middle. Yeah. Um, because then he can, you know, he, he can keep his stress uh yeah, and then, uh, yeah, I felt very free with, like, the B-Wings for both of them to be like, okay, focus barrel roll, focus barrel roll, and then stressing them every turn. And then, because I knew that Cassian could, like, pull a stress off one of them if and then turn, and they could still turn around. And then occasionally with Leia, I would be able to, if I wanted to turn them around while they were both still stressed, I could do that. And then there were a couple of games where, like I would set up the board saying, okay, if I'm going to do, there were several times where I'm in jousts and I'm like running my B-wings forward and I know there's going to be bumps. So I deliberately, they're already stressed and I deliberately dialed in. So there were times where I would deliberately dial in red moves on the B-wings when they're already stressed so that they would just do that two forward white. Sure. So, because the two forward on a B-Wing is blue, and I didn't want to clear their stress. And then if, for some reason, they didn't, there were a couple times where I was like, if they don't bump, I could actually flip Leia and then still have, and then actually have them turn around. And then, so it gave, it gave me some options there, but it was, uh, it led, like, when you're in the scrum, it gives you some, you know, some options, and it makes your opponent sort of think, is he going to activate Leia? Is he going to turn around? Is he going to do that? Um even just so, for the Ewing, the Leia, like the Leia double stop is strong. Yeah, yeah, it's super, super useful um, on the Ewing and having the Ewing be able to stop, have an action, coordinate a friend, and then, yeah, so it's super useful there. Did you, did you find yourself uh, making good use of the of the, uh, the seismic charges? I brought protons because I was kind of worried that the, you know, with with the list that I had, I found the most success going up the size of the board side of the board and sort of abusing that so aces couldn't get in around me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but being on the side of the board at the start, I was a little bit worried I wouldn't be able to get off good pro uh, good seismics with being away from the rocks. So I only the seismics only played a role in really a role in one of my games, and it, what I had hap- my opponent had uh, Suntir fell. And I was able, I dropped the seismic and it was really obvious I was going to drop the seismic and, and it was not, it was easy for Suntir to avoid it, but the fact Suntir had to avoid it. So my opponent had to boost and barrel roll to prevent uh, the seismic from tagging Suntir. So by doing that, it like led to Suntir and was forced to disengage for a couple turns, which let me sort of attack the rest of his list. So it was super helpful there, even though when I dropped that seismic, I did one damage to Dutch, no damage to the rest of his list. But the fact it was totally worth it for Suntir to hard turn away, boost and barrel roll out of our range. And like, like we both knew I was going to drop the seismic. And yeah. he he had no choice but to, I mean, I guess he, he really didn't have a choice but to disengage. So that was super, super useful. And then <laughs> later that same... I, I had some like, definitely worth it self-bombing as well. <laughs> yeah. And then later that same game, Dutch like was you know he he lived a little bit longer than maybe he should have and he was able to drop another seismic in a clutch moment to actually tag soon tier later because at that point he had to sort of engage he couldn't sort of afford to stay out so i was able to 
tag him again with uh, with the seismic. But that was actually the only game where it was useful. I don't know if my opponents like thought about, oh, he has seismic. Maybe it gets in their heads a bit. Um, no, but, since yeah. we both played him, yeah. did, we, did you want to talk about uh, Adam's list and kind of the interaction there? Yeah. So I played. So um, in the end, so I went. I went five and one on day one, and I was fifth in Swiss. And I lost to Adam in the top eight. So I did play his, uh, I played his double infiltrator list. And I actually played um, uh, Stephen Michael. He was running at the double infiltrator list. And I played him on day one and beat him. But I lost to Adam. Um, so it was a really interesting list. It was uh, Darth Maul with hate, proton torpedoes, Chancellor Palpatine, General Grievous, and shield upgrade. Dooku with hate, proton torpedoes, the probe droids, shield upgrade, and scimitar. And um, so the thing with it, so the one of the things with this list, having that the probe droids, being able to sort of launch that probe, and even if the probe dies, the fact that it can get out there like that turn before combat and it gives him a chance for both of his ships to sort of get that target lock so that on that round of engagement, he doesn't need to spend an action to target lock then. So it makes it very easy to double mod those proton torpedoes. That's even, that's not counting the fact that both of those ships have force charges. Um, so those, so it, sort of banks on that like uh, alpha like two double modded proton torpedo shots in the first round um similarly the hate upgrade makes it so that they always are there you know a lot of times jedi or force users are sort of starved for force but these ships you're gonna hit them if you shoot them you're gonna hit them they're gonna take damage and with hate you know they always have force and those ships are both kind of force hungry you know, like Dooku is often using force to like shed his when you're shooting him to like shed his tokens or to like or to take actions. And uh, Maul is often using force to stress you with Chancellor Palpatine or to double tap. So they're re spending a lot of force and reacquiring the force. And um, yeah, the the specific interaction with hate where it triggers after every instance of damage. So if you take two damage, it triggers twice. Um, that was <laughs> it was pretty brutal when you're uh, shooting them all. Then he gets to shoot back. Yeah, and there were times, like, so engaging them, especially, like, there were times I was thinking, okay, Dooku is cloaked, and I'm shooting before him. Is it the right thing to actually shoot him so that he can decloak? And in the end, I just couldn't resist shooting him. But, like, I think about it, like, maybe there were times I, like, maybe I shouldn't have shot him you know, left him cloaked so he couldn't shoot on his turn. And that the next turn, he has to either decloak or, like, he would have to decloak to be able to shoot. And, you know, so if I went back in time, maybe I would not have shot <laughs> on a few key turns. Maybe I would not have shot at Dooku. Did you um, have other shots elsewhere or, or like, at yeah. or Yeah, I mean, so against Adam in the very first engagement, Dooku was in front and cloaked, but I had all four of my ships aimed at him. So it's, and then I could get one or two shots at Maul further back, you know? So it was, in the end, I just had everyone shoot at Dooku. But if I were to do it again, I probably would have taken just the one or two pot shots at Maul and left Dooku cloaked. Because Dooku was cloaked facing my list. And then I could have just, you know, I mean, 
I could have, I guess, like rammed into him. Like the following turn, I don't know if he would have had any shots because I'm trying to remember if he was stressed or not. But, but you know, I could like you shoot Dooku and then he he can shed the, like if he's stressed, he can shed the stress. If he's target locked, like he would like shrug off target locks. And his ability is really, it's really good. You know, sure. Um, um, now, what was I going to say with that? Um, oh, I forget what I was going to say now. All right. <laughs> Get. Um, yeah. So I think that list, um, I think it's, it was, um, I don't think it was overpowered or broken. And I mean, it's, it's definitely beatable. Uh, I mean, I beat it once. I lost once, um, both against, I mean, they both, both Steven and Adam did a great job flying it. Um, but I think, uh, no, it, and it looked like really fun to fly. Like I was totally caught off guard about him two slooping both of his big ships behind me and then firing off his shots. Uh, but, yeah, uh, large, okay. large base ship with a two sloop and a 5k. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. it's pretty, they can do some things you, you don't expect. Did the, okay. That's what I was going to ask. The decloaked, like I know Dooku had the title on him. Did he actually mm-hmm. ever decloak it? Um, by itself and like did he ever like get the jam off from the decloak no not it no i was never jammed off the decloak in either of my games against that list i don't know about you tristan in in my game against adam there was a there was one check for it but it was out so gotcha yeah i think i think nailing that bullseye with the large base ship is real tough. sure but i mean yeah i mean it's a free decloak or a free jam in a bullseye arc Um, oh yeah so you always got to check for it, but I was curious to see if that would actually maybe play a role into some things. Yeah, and then um, yeah, my game against Adam and top it, and then Adam in the end he came in second to Duncan, and my game against Adam it came down to like he he outplayed me, but in the end uh, it was yeah his Dooku who was just over half health against three of my half three ships which he had knocked just below half, so he won. Um, but it was a it was a good game, and uh, I know that Tristan's game against him came down to the final die roll. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was also Dooku with um, <laughs> with with Braylon point, who had a shot, and Dooku didn't have a shot. So it was uh, I think Dooku was down to one or two hull, and I was I had hit hit crit going through, uh, and he was cloaked with a focus. So the odds were looking pretty good, but <laughs> it wasn't rolled, yeah. green dice it? always fail you whether they're on your side or the other side. Yeah, and then in the end, so I played against two resistance lists, both Poe AAA wings, uh, two Empire lists, uh, one which was a Thai salad with uh, with Suntir two Reapers and Gideon. The other was five Thai advanced, uh, the generics. I flew against two separatist lists, which were the um, infiltrators, and two rebel lists. Uh, one which was uh, Frank Forte's like rebel beef three X's, two I's, and one Derek Tokaz's um, Horton, Wedge, Partisan, and Biggs, which is the same as Kalen Wong's list from, uh, from um, not from Toronto, but from like that Washington hyperspace trial that he came in second at. So I saw like some of every, I saw uh, like a pretty diverse crowd, a, a group of ships, even though I know that like Rebels and Empire were really dominant at this uh hyperspace trial i saw a bit of everything cool well, what a good segue into the faction breakdown <laughs> um so yeah they posted 
a really cool infographic of the entire uh, hyperspace trial. Um, we had Rebels playing at 27 lists, Empire playing with 22, Separatists which with 11, which I was a little bit surprised with. I know a lot of people have been giving Separatists slack, um, but I was shocked to see this many. And I think outside of these two Sith Infiltrator lists, everyone else was running the Swarm. Um, so it, it's kind of interesting seeing both these Sith Infiltrator lists that they both made the cut where none of the swarms did. Um, yeah, it seems like there's uh, there's some faith out there for uh, for the vulture droids. I don't know if it's because uh, tie swarms have been doing okay in 2.0, or or they're just brand new and shiny and like seriously look really cool. But <laughs> um, it'll be interesting to see this next wave drop with the Naboo starfighter and the vulture, not the vulture, the hyena. Um, I really want to see what that brings to the table because uh, I, I do feel like they're slacking a little bit in something and I want to see not the Naboo Starfighter, the Hyena obviously, but um, I'm curious to see what that will bring to the table for the Separatists because I mean I, I've been saying this that I, I've been looking at the non-droid Separatist from the very get-go and that just looks like that's what did make the cut um after Separatists, we had 10 Resistance. I didn't see a single Resistance. I, I did see a lot of A-Wings on the table. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that about that. Republic had eight lists, which I do want to get into a little bit because looking down a List Fortress, you see not like a, the only, the highest Republic player only had like two wins, which is really kind of shocking. Um, I don't know if that was just with Empire getting soon tier and people wanted to fly that or what happened, but it, it was kind of crazy seeing that the like Australian and a lot of these other hyperspace trials, like you just see Republic blasting through these things and then hardly any of them here doing anything. Yeah. yeah I mean like a lot of, a lot of the good, a lot of the good, a lot of the good Republic lists are just ace lists. Right. So you're seeing like Anakin, you're seeing Obi-Wan, you're seeing, I guess Ahsoka to be there for action economy and like a filler, you know, a filler arc or Torrance or something like, but <laughs> I think ace lists come down to player skill. So sure. I don't know, you know, maybe it just, you know, maybe it's based on who's playing it or maybe the people playing it in our area at least don't have enough practice with it yet. I mean, they are, they were out for what, three weeks, you know, as of this hyperspace trial, something like that. So that's not a lot of time and they fly a little bit differently than, than other aces so sure and uh, i know like i did see one i went up against one republic list and uh, i felt bad bullying it a little bit but it was kind of like having so many arcs on anakin like it just left him with not that many options to go anywhere um yeah i want to like i came up against two republic or public lists with jedi um both of them actually very similar uh anakin and ahsoka and a uh and an arc um, and uh, I, I played against uh, Marshall actually. <laughs> it, like I matched, I matched up. What was it round three or four or something like that? Um, but he flies. I mean, he flies a good Republic list. His aces were right where I was scared they would be. And I mean, I I brought my list in a way that I thought was pretty suitable too. And I, I really think it came out to a lucky a lucky ion shot that uh, that put Anakin in a bad bad spot the second round of engagement. But yeah. It's uh, they're fun. They're fun to fly. Sure. 
Yeah, they're definitely fun to fly. I'm just, um, I'm really excited to see the Naboo fighter on the board. Uh, I hope they're cheap that you can just kind of like bring a good amount of them. But um, yeah, like uh, I don't know how I feel so much about Republic. I know any, anything with force points is going to be good. And their ace, you know, I mean, someone put that if, let's say, Duncan was flying Anakin, then there's no doubt that he could do the same things he was doing with Soons here. But I'm, I want to see more ships into these two factions before I really make any big conclusions. Because with all the, the original three having more ships in there, it's just you have more options to do things. And people are going to know what you have if you only have three ships in there. So it's kind of like, okay, everyone's bringing Anakin and an arc and something along those lines where... The Empire, you have a lot more options to bring different variety. And I'm still a little bit shaky on the whole hyperspace of how it's moving forward, but it'll be interesting to see in the future. Um, but anyway, moving on, we had the Republic with eight, Scum with six, which there I, I don't know. I didn't even know there was six Scum. Um, I only saw... Like, I didn't see any. Yeah, like I saw maybe like... Th I think I saw three fire sprays and two of them weren't even Boba. Um, and then I, I didn't see anything else out there. Um, then we had two First Order. Woo! Which one of them was me. So there we go. Uh, it, it was interesting to see this data compared to some of the other hyperspace trials. Like it really looks like you are seeing different metas in different parts of the world completely like like i said in australia you see republic just completely dominating the scene um here you see there was how many rebel beef uh things a lot of them having b-wings in them and uh, you go somewhere else and you're seeing torrent swarms you see um what was it phil gc had what fen gurry takes swiss out in Minnesota, or was it? It wasn't Minnesota. I'm sorry. In the UK, uh, in the UK, it was in the UK. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, you're seeing like all these different things like in the different parts of the world, and it's interesting to see these different metas break down where it's not settling down. And before we know it, the maybe by the time so like what. The Republic came out the 22nd of March, right? Or the 21st of March. Mm -hmm. So if we go on like a three-month schedule, we'll start to settle down and then like come like the 20th of June, we might see the Naboo Starfighter, if not sooner, come out and completely change the meta of the high droids. And then like these two factions might be the complete powerhouses of the entire game in hyperspace. And then we might even have a point change on top of that. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think. I mean, we're getting. Oh, go ahead. Oh, uh, I just think with this content, maybe it's if you there's so much churn, new stuff, new points, new ships. There just hasn't been enough time for it to settle. I think if we had six months, eventually maybe there would be more of a global meta in the same way that like Paratani took over the world back in first edition. But uh, it would just take more time. But things are just moving pretty quick, and it's just. Yeah, so I think that's why we haven't, why we have all this regional variation. Tristan, you're gonna say I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna enjoy it while it lasts. I mean, so we ha we just got two new faction releases, right? And then 
a point balance in January. So, I mean, if they're doing point balances every six months and doing new ship releases every three-ish months, um, you know, I, they're not going to release any new factions for a while, probably. So, um, wait, could they you know, actually I, I think, release any I more think, factions? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> probably, probably not. I, I think they've indicated they're not going to head toward like Old Republic or something. So, um, the Black Sun Syndicate. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think this time in like October, um, you know, things might be a little a little shaken up then, but definitely not to the point it is now. All right. So then I guess that brings my next question. I mean, obviously, Tristan, you think that like the shakeup in the meta is a good position for the game, um, like you know, yeah, like I mean, changing it, things up so often. I mean, it's fun discovering what new ships are good. Um, I mean, you don't want to be the guy that goes to a tournament with a list that's terribly suboptimal, but you don't know it, and then you find out at the tournament. That's <laughs> no fun. Um, but, you know, but if you get enough practice in, um, it's it's neat to like take a list that if your list does the thing you want it to do and you still lose, like that's okay. It's it can it can be fun doing that. This is fine. Cool. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Like, I think it's fun to see like different things turn out so well. Like I said, I'm still skeptical with different things of not having enough content or enough information on certain things uh, which is fine if the game's headed in a certain direction um where they will be producing enough content and like with hyperspace and extend it being two different formats like if as long like i said it really depends on the content because like i'm just worried that eventually that like it's it's going to like die off and then be like okay well one faction is going to be way more balanced than the other and unless we unload a ton of ships in one direction it's not going to change like you still gonna have to see a balance like i'm expecting we're gonna see a lot of um republic and separatist ships come out just to kind of balance these things but that means that rebels and scum and empire might be on a lull for a little bit yeah i mean um even though they've re-released rebel and or they're going to be re-releasing rebel ships and they re-released some empire ships like the striker there's nothing like new new for them like on the horizon even it doesn't right. seem like Right, and, and like I'd be a little bit sad if that's the direction they kind of go, and is just instead of re giving us new stuff for those, they just kind of re-release for a while, and it's kind of like I, I do want to see those because that's like granted, like people play X Wing because it's X Wings and stuff, and the Falcon, um, but if they're just gonna release re-release content, it's kind of like all right, like I, I get what you're doing, but I don't know, I still want to see like new things um, come out of those eras. Do you remember when second edition was first released? Um, at some at some point, they talked about wanting to release card like just card packs. Sure. Um, and for, they did. Uh, I don't know if that was for like seasonal things or. So or they mentioned like it at Adepticon this past weekend that they are still planning on doing that. Cool. Okay. Yeah. I wonder, I'm wondering if that might be part of the new, like new content. So because you know if if they already have the ships released in second edition or they're still re-releasing things, um, that I mean that could be a direction they go to try and keep people buying into the game sure. um, as it grows but yeah i mean it's hard to imagine like like so like what the interceptor only has two pilots so it's hard to imagine them not bringing back uh i know carner jacks and um 
Fell's uh, <laughs> Wrath. Fell's Wrath, Carner Jacks. Uh, and, and the other ones, they weren't soon tier. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I cannot. Cure Kanos, um, Lieutenant Lorier. I'm trying to remember. There were a lot of Interceptor pilots. So, wow, you should go on. You should go on an X-Wing quiz show. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remind me. I have to get one tomorrow night. Um, I, can, I can't. Yeah, I can't tell you what's on the card art for like Kirkenos though. So, yeah. um, but I, here's one of the things I do think would be kind of cool, and like I'd be interested. So they add like you know the Interceptor to hyperspace format. Like I would love to see them actually kind of say, okay, we're going to add the Interceptor. But soon tier is not hyperspace legal. Like I, I really kind of hope that they have different like formats like that, where they, they just kind of completely kill the i six. I honestly was a little bit surprised they added soon tier into hyperspace at all. Like getting the interceptor in there, I'm all for. Like you know, I'm I'm all in on inter- interceptors. But um, I mean, Empire already has an initiative six pilot, right? Right. Darth Vader. Um, so, I mean, how many Initiative 6 pilots are in the other factions? For the most part, it's just one, right? Uh, Rebels have two, right? Still Wedge and Han. Oh, and then Fen and Han. Yeah. Oh, Han, yeah. And then... Um, Separatists have zero. Poe po and Han. <laughs> yeah, Poe and Han. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I guess, I guess Han fills out a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but it'll be interesting to see how this really kind of fold, unfolds in the next... I don't know. Even even year like the first this first inaugural year of X Wing Second Edition is going to be huge, um, and it's really still unfolding. So like people complaining about different things, like just relax. We gotta have this all unfold on us and see how it turns out. Um, so let's move along before we close out. Tristan, do you want to tell us about your blog? Sure. Um, let's see. I promoted the last time I was on here, so feel a little. Yeah. Well, you released a new article, so why not? <laughs> Why not again? Um, so over on uh, my blog, uh, JoustMe, uh, joustme.home.blog, for anybody that's looking for it, um, I released a new article on Sunday uh, with a whole bunch of pictures from practice I did uh, leading up to this hyperspace event. Um, so I'd flown Rebel Beef before, and I was kind of familiar with it, um, but sort of the best uh, practice that I got with it was practicing a certain way that I kind of wanted to share with everybody. Um, so... I uh, released kind of a almost like a rule set. Um, it's really just a, a damage table and then four uh, four changes really to the game. Um, so first one, straight up, uh, perform your setup. Step one, uh, do your obstacles, do your shape placement. Um, and then two, skip your planning phases. Uh, don't put your dials down. Like it's practice. Trust your opponent. Like let them do whatever maneuvers um, they thought they were going to do. And uh, when I you know when I set my when I think about the turn coming up, um, usually I'll just do the maneuvers that I thought about in the planning phase, whether it was good or bad, right? Because it's practice. Um, and then three, guess ranges. Like you're trying to go fast, go as fast as you can. You don't have to use a range roller, just guess. Um, and then don't roll for damage. Use uh, a damage table. And what it is, it's just kind of like an average. Like if you roll this many dice versus this many dice, you'll about you'll average about this much. So take some of the variance out of the game, um, which... It's kind of what you want when you're in practice. Like you, you're kind of when you're practicing, you're, you kind of want to simulate a game. You don't really want to play a game because you want to get reps in as fast as possible. Um, and then that kind of leads to the fourth point, which is like end the game after ten minutes. Don't don't play a full game out. Um, 
and again, since this is just practice, like this is mostly aimed at, uh, you know, a brand new list that you that you cook up and want to figure out whether it's good or not or whether it feels feels good on the table. I know a lot of times I'll uh, sort of architect a list in over on Yasby and it looks pretty good. Um, I've got a lot of attack dice. I've got you know I've got maneuverability. I can get the angles I want, and then I put it on the table and something falls flat, like the, a ship doesn't move the way I thought it would move, or you know the I can't get the dice mods I want, um, and that's where this like hyper practice format really comes in handy. So. Um, if you take a look at the pictures at the bottom of the post, um, you can sort of see all the games I got in. And I've, I kept a timer at the bottom of the pictures. And it was, let's see, how long did I do that practice for? An hour, an hour 24. And I got seven full games in. Um, so again, like I, I cut it off after about 10 or 15 minutes, you know, depending on like how much I thought I was learning from the game. But, you know, if you go to a, game store on your average game night you might get it in what like one two games um so it's kind of like a, a blitz format to to figure a list out so cool yeah. It's definitely yeah probably definitely useful information if you're prepping for a tournament or um trying to just test some new stuff out cool uh jonathan do you have anything before we start to close out uh anything else no, you want to talk about no I, I mean i want to thank all my opponents from this weekend they were all really cool uh you know frank forte 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 i had never played him before but i'd seen him a lot down at uh games and stuff and he was one of the best opponents i've ever had really awesome guy we were adding up our points at the end i actually we both thought i had won and when we added up our points he won and i was actually really kind of happy for him when he had won that game and it was a, it was a great game and uh, he's a really cool opponent so i want to give him a special shout out nice i'm, I'm sure he's listening yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Justin, anything else that you want to touch base on? No, just, uh, I mean, shout out to all my opponents. I played down at Glen Burnie. It was a blast. Um, I saw a lot of familiar faces, said hi to a lot of a lot of people. So, yeah, I'd uh, do it again in a heartbeat. Cool. All right, guys. Uh, so if you want to get your revenge on Jonathan, he will be at the Red Caps Hyperspace Trial on May the 4th. Um, Jonathan, you are going, right? I'm oh, not yeah, just yeah. shouting I you mean, out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this is my first set of, like, dice, and I want another set of dice now. <laughs> nice. Uh, so, greedy Jonathan. Um, but we are hosting the Red Caps Hyperspace Trial on May the 4th. It is in uh, University City, basically, in Philadelphia. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I know 30 people have already registered. We are probably capping it at 64. So if you haven't registered, I highly recommend it because we, if we don't have enough people early enough, we're just going to, we can extend it to more. But if there's not enough, we're just capping it at 64. So make sure you register for it. Don't leave us hanging until the day of, because if there's not space, we're not, there's not going to be, you know, open enough space for it. Um, so make sure you register that at redcaps.com, I believe it is. It's right on the homepage, and you can do it right from there. Um, dice are probably going to be thrown at 10 o'clock. Uh, we are probably going to be also be using Tabletop TO. So within like the next week or two, we will have people uh, the site up so people can start registering their lists, and we can share any kind of information from there. Um, as far as other events go, I know the East Coast Gamers is hosting the Campaign Against Cancer again. It is a great event. It is May 18th. Um, 
in Jersey. Like I said, I've, I've been there a couple times and you always leave with a arm full of stuff. Like it is such a fun time. It's just a casual night of X-Wing. The pods are great. And then you, you have so, there's so much prize support that it's just a blast to go. So you should definitely check that out. I think Mike said there still are tickets available for that. Um, it sounds like a fun event. I'm, I'm signed up for it. It'll be my first year going. Uh, um, we, we met a lot of them down at Crate Cup and they're all super nice people. It was, it was so much fun playing down there with them. So I'm sure they're going to throw a fantastic event. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really so much fun. Like I said, if I wasn't have so many other obligations, I would definitely be out there this week. Um, I think that's it for the events at the moment. Oh, July 20th, uh, the Top Deck Regional. I know it's not anything posted it yet or the Hyperspace Trial. I believe this is going to be the second wave of Hyperspace Trials coming out, but they did announce theirs that it is going to be on July 20th. So if you need to request off of work or um, early or start planning ahead of time, just keep that date open. It, it Again, it's July 20th at Top Deck Games over in Jersey again. I know I keep saying Jersey. I just can't remember the, all their town names on the top of my head. It's Haddon, I think, Township. All right, guys. I think that does it for this week's episode. Uh, again, I want to thank everyone that came up to me at the Glen Burnie and, you know, express your interest in the show. It means so much to us. Um, thank you again for listening, and I hope everyone has a great night. Goodbye, everybody. All right, good night.